0: Our hearts have been touched this afternoon by the beautiful singing of these precious primary boys and girls. All who participated here have the opportunity to assemble with others of similar age each week in the meetings of the primary. But there are other boys and girls, equally as precious and choice, who are not so fortunate. I remember that some years ago, I had the opportunity to visit the Australia Mission, and in company with the mission president, flew to Darwin there to break ground for that city's first Latter-day Saint Chapel. En route, however, the plane touched down at a small mining community called Mount Isa. And there, by the modest terminal, we were met by a beautiful mother and her two children of primary age. She introduced herself to us as Judith Loudon and mentioned that she and her children were the only members of the Church in the entire town. She said that her husband, Richard, was not a member. Right then and there, we held a meeting, and I emphasized to the mother the importance of home primary. I told her that when I returned to headquarters, I would arrange for materials pertaining to the home primary to be sent to her. We received a commitment to meet, to pray, to persevere in faith. When I did return home, I enlisted the help of then-President Laverne Parmley, and the materials for the home primary were sent to Australia, along with a complimentary subscription to the children's friend. Years passed. And Again, I found myself in Brisbane, Australia, speaking to the priesthood leadership of a state quarterly conference. I happened to mention to the priesthood leaders the plight of that good woman and her children and then made the comment, I wonder if I'll ever know whether or not that home primary succeeded. Oh, how I would like to meet the non-member husband of such a choice woman and the father of such lovely children. A hand was raised in the rear, and a person stood and said, Elder Monson, my name is Richard Loudon. I am the husband of that good woman and the father of those choice children. Prayer and primary brought me into the Church. Again this last January, prayer was uppermost in my mind, As I stood at beautiful Palermo Park in Buenos Aires, Argentina, I felt I was on sacred ground, for it was here on Christmas Day in 1925 that Elder Melvin J. Ballard dedicated all of South America for the preaching of the gospel. What a fulfillment to an inspired prayer is evidenced today by the spectacular growth of the Church in South America. In that park is also a statue of George Washington, the father of the United States. I looked at that statue, and I thought of another place where prayer was paramount, even Valley Forge. For it was at Valley Forge that Washington led his badly battered, ill-fed, and scantily clad troops for winter quarters. Today at Valley Forge, there has been erected an heroic monument of George Washington. He is depicted not astride a charging horse nor overlooking a battlefield of glory, but rather kneeling in humble prayer. And when you look at that statue, you have a greater appreciation of the meaning of the words, a man stands tallest when he is upon his knees. Men and women of character... Integrity and purpose, have always appreciated a power higher than oneself and have sought to be guided by that power. It has always been so, and so it shall always be. In the very beginning, Father Adam was commanded, call upon God in the name of the Son forevermore. Adam prayed, Abraham prayed, Isaac prayed, Moses prayed, and so did every prophet pray, to that God from whence cameth his strength. Like the sands going through an hourglass, generations of mankind were born, lived, then died. At long last came that glorious event for which prophets prayed, psalmists sang, martyrs died, and all mankind hoped. The birth of the babe in Bethlehem was an event transcendent in its beauty and singular in its significance. Jesus of Nazareth brought prophecy to fulfillment. He cleansed lepers. He opened eyes. He penetrated hearts. He renewed life. He taught truth. He saved all. And in so doing, he honored his Father and set for you and me an example worthy of all emulation. More than any prophet or leader, he taught us how to pray. Who of us can fail to remember the majesty of that prayer in Gethsemane when he said, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then the instruction, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And we can be benefited by his counsel when he said, When thou prayest, do not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they might be seen of men. But when thou prayest, pray unto thy Father in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That inspired counsel has brought to troubled hearts the peace for which they fervently hope and earnestly seek. Unfortunately, honor, praise, abundance, lead men to the false security of self-assurance and the abandonment of the inclination to pray. Conversely, trial, tribulation, sickness, death, crumble the castles of men's pride and bring them to their knees to seek power from a source higher than themselves. I suppose that more prayers were offered during World War II than at any other time in the history of this old world. Who can calculate the concern of mothers, wives, children, as daily they've prayed for the well-being of sons and husbands and fathers many miles away and locked in mortal combat. Prayers are heard and prayers are answered. Heartwarming is the account of the American mother who prayed fervently for her son as the ship on which he served sailed into that bloody cauldron known as the Pacific Theater of War. Every morning as she would arise from bended knee in her prayer, she would then take her place as a volunteer on the production line, which became a lifeline to men in battle. Could it be that a mother's handiwork could somehow affect the life of a loved one? All who knew her and her family cherished the account of her sailor son, Elgin Staples. His ship went down off Guadalcanal, and Staples was swept overboard. But he survived because of a life belt which proved on later examination to have been inspected, packed, and stamped back home in Akron, Ohio by his own mother. I know not by what methods rare, but this I know, God answers prayer. I know that he has given his word that tells me prayer is always heard and will be answered soon or late And so I pray and calmly wait. Well, might the younger generation ask the question, But what about today? Does God still answer prayers today? Does he really hear? I would promptly reply, Our Heavenly Father provided no expiration date on his instruction to pray. As we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. Frequently, however, prayers are not answered when bands are playing and flags are waving. Generally, the miracles of our Heavenly Father are performed in a very quiet and normal fashion. A long time ago, I was assigned to the Grand Junction, Colorado State Quarterly Conference. And while there, the state president asked if I would meet with a grieving mother and father whose son— had announced that he was going to return home from the mission field, although he had been there but a week. After the conference throng had departed, we sought out a quiet place, and there, mother and father, stake president and I, knelt in prayer. As I offered that prayer, I could hear the muffled sobs of a grieving mother and a disappointed father. And after we arose from our knees, the Father looked at me and said, I don't see how our Heavenly Father could possibly alter my son's determination to return home. I don't know why it is, but now for the first time in my life that I have really tried to live the commandments, it seems as though my prayers are not answered. I said to him, Where is your son serving? He said, In Düsseldorf, Germany. I put one arm around mother and another arm around father, and I said to them, My dear brother and sister, your prayers are already being answered. Today there are 28 stake quarterly conferences being attended by general authorities, and I received the assignment to your stake. Of all the general authorities, I am the only one who has the assignment to speak to the missionaries in Dusseldorf, Germany, this very Thursday. Their plea had been heard, and that Thursday I met with their son, and I told him of the concern which his parents had for them and for him. Another prayer was offered. A blessing was provided. Of course he remained and filled an honorable mission. More years went by, and again I returned to Grand Junction, Colorado State. And again, I met the same mother and father. Still, father had not qualified to take mother and the children to the holy temple. I emphasized to them that if they would fervently pray, the way would be opened up for those eternal temple blessings to be theirs, and they could be a forever family. I indicated that I would be pleased to officiate the night they came to the temple. Mother pleaded, father strived, children urged, and they all prayed. What was the result? Let me share with you a letter which their tiny son, Todd, placed under the pillow of his father on Father's Day morning. The boy is quite a psychologist and a budding journalist. He said, Dad, I love you for what you are. And not for what you aren't. Why don't you stop smoking? Millions of people have. Why can't you? It's harmful to your health, to your lungs, your heart. If you can't keep the word of wisdom, you can't go to heaven with me, and Skip, and Brad, and Mark, and Jeff, and Jeannie, and Pam, and their families. Us kids keep the word of wisdom. Why can't you? You're stronger. And you're a man. Dad, I want to see you in heaven. We all do. We want to be a whole family in heaven, not a half a one. And Dad, you and Mom ought to get two old bikes and start riding around the park every night. You're probably laughing right now, but I wouldn't be. You laugh at those old people jogging around the park and riding bikes and walking. But they're going to outlive you because they're exercising their lungs and their hearts and their muscles, they're going to have the last laugh. Come on, Dad. Be a good guy. Don't smoke or drink or anything else against our religion. We want you at our graduation. If you do quit smoking and do good stuff like us, You and Mom can go with Brother Monson and get married and sealed to us in the temple. Come on, Dad. Mom and us kids are just waiting for you. We want to live with you forever. We love you. You're the greatest dad. Love, Todd. And then he wrote, P.S. And if the rest of us wrote one of these, they'd say the same thing. He couldn't quit. He then wrote PPS. <laughs> Mr. Newton has quit smoking. So can you. You're closer to God than Mr. Newton. <laughs> <laughs> that plea, that prayer of faith, was heard and answered. A night that I shall ever treasure and long remember was when that family assembled in the ceiling room of the temple which graces this square. Mother was there, father was there, every child was there, all dressed in white, and sacred eternal ordinances were performed. The memorable evening was brought to a close by a humble, kneeling prayer. Today, I would hope that all of us would remember that prayer is the soul's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed. The motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. O thou, by whom we come to God, the life, the truth, the way, the path of prayer thyself hast trod, Lord, teach us how to pray. He has taught us how to pray. May we learn well that lesson and live it eternally would be my sincere prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.